Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. So here we are together uh, on uh, July 9th. We're getting into summertime, and that's when a lot of people go on vacation and kind of take their foot off the gas pedal, but not you. You're going for God. You got great things in front of you. You've got vision. You've got motivation. You're inspired to live for the Lord. And uh, we thank you guys for uh, uh, getting out today and being a part of the Torah study. We're in Torah study number 41 uh, out of Numbers 25 through uh, Numbers 30. And uh, in this week's study... There's a convergence, as it were, of the teaching on some of the greatest leaders in the Bible. There's teaching on Moses, uh, the greatest uh, uh, teacher in Jewish Bible history. Uh, There's teaching on Joshua, Moses' successor. Uh, There's uh, teaching from Elijah in what's called the Haftorah. We haven't discussed that much, uh, but the Haftorah is the prophetic reading that's connected uh, with the main Torah portion. Uh, And this just happens to be on Elijah when he faces down uh, all the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth. 800 plus went down to Chinatown. Uh, And then today's title and study is on Pinhas, also sometimes called Phineas, Pinchas. There's different ways to pronounce all of that today. It's Pinhas. And uh, again, in Numbers 25. But each of these uh, men of God, and there's women of God, actually, uh, in this study. Uh, Zelephaphad's daughters who came to Moses and said, Hey, <laughs> if, if, uh, if there's no uh, 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 men in the father's line, how come the women can't be blessed with an inheritance? And Moses said, hmm, that's a good question. Let me go to the Lord and ask. And he says, ah, the Lord has agreed with you, O woman of God, women of valor, that yes, you receive the same inheritance as the men. So women's rights started not with Gloria Steinem, (laughs) but in the Bible, in the Torah. Uh, (coughs) But they're all high-quality people, high-character people, Uh, who realized, and I know you realize this too, that average is the enemy of excellence. And God uh, has not called you to live a mediocre life. As we learn growing up in the church, mediocre is the worst kind of ochre. And so God is calling us to a higher place an elevated place. 
Yes, there is a spiritual ladder of success and there's many rungs. There's no elevator to the top in the kingdom of God. You got to take the stairs and you got to touch every one. And you're, you're keeping uh, your focus on the Lord, your focus on the kingdom, and you keep climbing. Put one foot out there after another, inch by inch, step by step, line upon line, precept upon precept, you make your way further and higher in the kingdom of God. Uh, I wish we could just uh, rub our Bible, and out comes the genie, Oh, you get three wishes. Well, my first wish is 10 million more wishes. It, you're not going to develop uh, in the kingdom that way. It's a growing and maturing process that requires a level of commitment to leadership, to the qualities of leadership that uh, God lays out in his word. And uh, Pinhas. Uh, who is the grandson of Aaron and the great nephew of Moses. Uh, he's in this study this week, and he bursts onto the scene out of nowhere. Where'd this guy come from? Uh, and uh, his claim to fame is he is zealous for God. And he's not letting any anti-God type of stuff happen on my watch. Not on my watch, he says. And it just so happens that on his watch, and of course it wasn't just his responsibility, it was everyone's responsibility to be watchmen, watch women. Uh, uh, he stood up against and stopped a disturbance of holiness. <laughs> uh, and it just so happened that, uh, and we uh, didn't get to this last week, but it was part of last week's Torah study, when uh, there was this uh, evil conspiracy between King Balak of Moab and the Gentile prophet Balaam. Uh, uh, he, Balaam got hired to curse Israel. Uh, they put together this uh, anti-Semitic, let's stop the Jews, let's stop Israel from doing the will of God, and let's destroy them. So uh, Balaam is going to curse Israel spiritually, but every time that he tries to curse Israel, God reverses the curse and causes a blessing to come. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's uh, in, embrace that for our own lives. If something bad is happening and you feel like, why am I getting all of this lemon in my life? Make lemonade. God, show me how to make some lemonade out of this thing. So uh, Balaam then proposes plan B. The devil always has plan B, C, D, E. He never gives up. But uh, we have a God that never gives up. And our God is greater. Amen. Uh, so he tells King Balak of Moab, uh, let's gather all the women folk, all of the young ladies, all of the, the children, the daughters of Moab, and let's send them into the Israel camps 
and let's uh, lure all the men in Israel into immorality, into pagan idolatry, into fornication and adultery. And uh, it just so happens that kind of sexual sin is something the devil always ends up using. And he uses it here, uh, but what uh, happened is that it brought divine judgment. Sin brings judgment. Uh, Let us not forget that, O holy, righteous women and men of God. And so the judgment came in the form of a plague. God sent a plague. Well, God would never do that. God sent a plague. God is too loving that he would never do. He's gracious, not willing that any would perish. He gives us time, time, chance, chance. But finally the sand runs out of the timer. You don't never know what straw breaks the camel's back. Is this the tipping point? And Israel hit the tipping point. And so this plague came and 24,000 Jewish people are dying as a result of the plague. As a result of the sin of a few, it affected many. Well, all the people that are sinning in our nation today, that doesn't bother me. It'll eventually bother you. There will come a time when so much sin invades a country that God says in Leviticus, I will spew that nation and that people out of my mouth because I am judging the sin. So, you know, yeah, God is love, but God is also a lawgiver. And he has laws and guidelines, and if we continually violate them, we come out from under the umbrella of his grace and mercy. And if you're on your own, good luck. (laughs) Amen. And this is what's going on in Israel. God calls Moses and the nation's leaders to judge the offenders. Well, you can't judge me. Yeah, you're going to be judged. Uh, and they're going to be punished even with a death sentence. Well, God would never cause that. The wages of sin is death, right? I mean, that's just what happens. You might not fall over dead. Uh, You could. Ananias and Sapphira did. Uh, but it might lead to death in your finances, death in your relationships. How come I can never get ahead? Why am I always one step forward and five steps back? Well, it's not, uh, uh, it's not God necessarily. Have you ever thought maybe I have something to do with this? <laughs> maybe there's something that's broken that needs to be fixed. Amen? And so... Uh, before Moses and the leaders uh, were able to convene a a jury and hear the case, uh, all of a sudden, Pinhas says, I ain't waiting, I'm rushing to judgment. (laughs) And he grabs a spear because... One of the leaders of Israel, they even know his name, Zimri. He's one of the leaders of the tribe of Simeon. And they know the, uh, uh, the woman. Her name was Cosby. And they're just fornicating 
right out there in public. Like, let's get it on. Kind of like a pride parade. <laughs> let's just show the world. <laughs> All right. And uh, uh, Pinhas says, uh-uh, not on my watch. And so he uh, takes spiritual authority and spiritual responsibility and zealously and with purpose but in anger uh, he uh, uh, passes he's judge jury executioner all in one and so this leads us to some of the leadership focus and teaching that I want to get into today uh, about how a leader solves problems how a leader develops the right leadership qualities. Every Christian is a leader. Every Christian has been called on some level in some unique way. You have a specialty. You have a specialty. We all have been uniquely gifted. And we're supposed to be using those giftings of God to be a blessing, to be a light, to be salt, to be an influence, and to help make this world a better place. There's a great debate still taking place in Judaism uh, about is what Pinhas did, is that good or bad or ugly? Uh, and most rabbis agree that he showed a level of leadership by rising up in an extreme situation. It was irrational for Israel to be doing what they were doing. Some of what we see in America today is totally irrational. And he took this spiritual responsibility, stood up against the evil that was being forced down their throats. Remember, behind the scenes, it was Balak and Balaam. There's people behind the, uh, the scenes in America that are pulling the strings. We don't see the man behind the curtain. <laughs> You've seen the Wizard of Oz, right? Ignore that man behind the curtain. But he rose up while everybody else was standing down. And this is part of the enemy's strategy and why uh, one of the keys to being successful in the kingdom of God is to cultivate a spirit of boldness. The Bible teaches that in the last days, the spirit of Elijah will be released upon God's people. That's in Malachi 4. And that's a spirit of boldness. Doesn't necessarily have to be an intimidating spirit. It can be. It's not hate speech to declare what God says. But we, God is looking for hands and feet and voices to say, you know, this is what you're saying. This is what I believe. And what I believe is just as important as what you believe. If not more important. Because I don't speak on my own authority. I speak on the authority of the creator of all heaven and earth, almighty God, Jehovah, and his son, Jesus Christ. But that, the enemy's strategy is to shut you down, 
back you down, and eventually make you bow down. And, you know, with things like cancel culture and so forth, people are scared or maybe ashamed for speaking out about our Bible values. But, I mean, it's a culture war out there. And it reminds me of when Goliath backed down all of Israel. We've been right to the place where all of that happened. A hill on this side, a hill on this side, and the valley in between. And Goliath and the Philistines taunted Israel. Send us your champion, and you can face off against this giant Goliath. And Goliath taunted them, and a a little uh, runt by the name of David shows up with food for his brothers and he hears what's going on and he says what the heck is going on out there <laughs> who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is condemning God's people He demonstrated a sense of boldness. And that boldness was cultivated because he spent a lot of time with the Lord. You're spending a lot of time with the Lord. You're cultivating and God is working in you to cultivate lots of powerful qualities that will see you through the challenging times. Amen? And Pinhas demonstrated this level of leadership boldness that others either could not or were dragging their feet to, to do it or they just would not muster anything up. But how many of you believe the scripture out of 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us what? A spirit of fear. A spirit of timidity. Some translations say. We're not timid people. The righteous are bold as lions, Proverbs 28 says. God has given you a spirit of power that when the devil rears his ugly head, we don't cower in fear and act timid. We rise up in faith. We rise up in the power and the authority of the Word of God and the promises of God. And we fight back with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of the living God. And the devil can't stand against the Word of the living God. God's Word in your mouth is just as powerful as it was in Jesus' mouth. We just got to muster that up we got to work that up we got to fan the flame to get us to that point where this is how i roll how do you roll i roll with boldness i'm willing to rise up and be counted among the saints that'll say not on my watch but you know there's human behavior at work here there's human nature and there's divine nature And part of the Christian journey is working, here's a word for you, transitioning from the human nature to the divine nature. I wish we could just say, bam! And now you've got all that divine nature working at the highest levels. But it ain't just a bam thing. Day by day, moment by moment. We're working on things. The Holy Spirit is working in us to lead us and guide us and counsel us and direct us in the ways we should go. 
And so in the study of human behavior, standing on the sidelines, sitting on the fence, uh, has a name. Researchers call it the Genovese syndrome. Uh, Another word for this is the bystander effect. The bystander effect. And this is where people can see atrocities, see horrific things happen, and yet do nothing. All that is required for evil to triumph is for good men and good women to sit on the sidelines and say nothing. Right? And so this is the Genovese syndrome, the bystander effect. And it came to the forefront years ago in New York City. And it occurred in the presence of a large number of people. Have you ever been in New York City? I mean, it's a crowded place. And this woman is being assaulted. And all these people just stood there and watched. Now, this was probably before the time of... Uh, cell phones, but I'm sure nowadays everybody would try to capture it on video instead of doing something. Call the police. I feel bad for the guy on the subway uh, a couple weeks ago that's arrested and in jail for murder because there was some lunatic on the subway threatening everybody, threatening to kill him. He had a rap sheet this long, and uh, it's very likely. So the guy pinned him, right? I'm going to, I better take authority. He had a, a pinhas moment. And uh, sadly, the, uh, the man died. Uh, and now this guy, because he's standing up for protecting people, finds himself in a tough spot. But uh, this bystander effect, these social scientists undertook a bunch of uh, uh, experiments trying to determine what happens in situations. Why do people just suddenly uh, feel paralyzed? and feel timid, and feel back down. And uh, they've got different theories that uh, in the presence of other uh, bystanders, uh, it affects their interpretation of what's happening. So uh, they're sizing things up, looking around. Well, nobody's doing anything. I'm not going to do anything either. Some say that the key factor is that it's this reluctance to take responsibility. And people assume that since there's so many people in the crowd, somebody's probably going to step forward. I'm not going to take the first step to do something. I'm not going to take any action. And this is what's happening in uh, this Bible story today. Out of nowhere, Pinhas takes responsibility to act. And it leads us into what you could perhaps say is the greatest leadership lesson of all. Taking responsibility for one's life. Taking responsibility for your salvation. Taking responsibility for your own personal destiny. It, it may be the single biggest reason why people succeed and why others fail. Because while some people say, if it's to be, it's up to me, 
Others want to blame everything on somebody else. You're the reason, you're the reason, this is the reason. And they just live a life full of excuses and blaming others. It's always somebody else's fault that I'm not succeeding in life. In the end, it usually just comes down to sowing and reaping. For good or for bad. The results that I'm experiencing, that you're experiencing, or lack of results, is usually due to either sowing good seeds or bad seeds. Both lead to a harvest, right? And then on the other side of the equation is not sowing enough seed. Thinking that I'm entitled to anything and everything. That the world is supposed to owe me something and I'm supposed to get everything free. I'm entitled. And that spirit of entitlement keeps people from achieving. It keeps people from pressing forward and moving on into their destiny. And God has a great destiny for each and every one of us. And it will grow and grow and develop and develop. And God will take you to higher and higher places. But not if you play the blame game. Not if it's always somebody. It's like Eve and Adam. Adam and, oh God, it's your fault because it's the woman you gave me. The principle of the same measure that you measure out, that you give out with, is the same measurement that God will use to give you in return. So if you get on the right side, the side of angels, if you get on God's good side and start sowing good seed, like Jesus said in Matthew 12, a good man, a good woman, out of the good treasure of their heart will bring forth good things. So when people complain and all this, look, look. if you're starting like you just got born again, but you've been in this thing for 10 years and, and you haven't figured this out, where have you been going to church? You better find a new teacher. <laughs> How does this thing called living in the kingdom of God work? It all works on the seed sowing principle. What you put in is what you get out. And the more you put in, the more you'll get out. And you wouldn't be here this morning if you weren't putting in a little bit extra. That's a success principle we won't have time to get in. But always going the extra mile. That's you. Turn and tell somebody that's you. Going the extra mile. Praise God. So this willingness to take responsibility can also be termed taking initiative. Having some initiative. Uh, Pinhas took the initiative to stand up in the moment of crisis. And he began to demonstrate some of the positive godly qualities that God wants us all to have. God wanted Pinhas, he wants you to be zealous. To have some motivation in your life. Well, uh, uh, I don't have any motivation and I don't want to be motivated. 
I'll tell you how we'll get you motivated. I'll put you in a rowboat with me. We'll take you 50 feet offshore. I'll put you over the side and hold your head underwater. And in about five seconds, you're going to see the most motivated and inspired person in the world. Why? Because there's something suddenly I need called air. And I will fight for air. How many of you are ready to fight for godly values and godly principles and morals? Yeah. Amen. But, you know, again, there's always a counter human nature, divine nature. The human inclination is to procrastinate. I love to procrastinate. I'll get to that tomorrow. But God says, look, I got great things for you, beloved woman of God, beloved man of God. But you have to be willing to seize the moment. Seize the moment. Seize the moment. Go after this thing with some zeal and motivation. And God will help you. Amen? Amen. So... Pinhas in Numbers 25, 12 says that uh, God rewarded him. And he rewarded him with what the Bible calls a covenant of peace. And he eventually became a high priest of Israel. But it's interesting, and you can't see this in the Christian Bible, but in the original Torah, this covenant of peace in Hebrew, this covenant of shalom, the word shalom is spelled uniquely in the, with the Hebrew letters. And again, it's only visible in the original Hebrew language. So your Bible won't show it. But when God says, behold, I give to him a covenant of peace, shalom, uh, there's a Hebrew letter in the word shalom called a vav. And that vav is written, but it's broken in half. And there's a meaning for why, why would God have this word shalom and this letter vav broken in half? It's split in half. And there's different rabbinical opinions, but most agree that God is showing us Pinhas should have handled the situation differently. Because what he did was he brought about an imperfect shalom. The way he handled the situation. Yes, he achieved a great victory. Yes, God rewarded him because he took responsibility and initiative to stop the insanity. But he's also saying that his zealous reaction wasn't exactly perfect. The broken letter tells us that we need to learn how to handle difficult situations with more than just brute force. Are you with me? Brute force. Growing up in the Sigmund family, I understood a lot about brute force. I had a, my dad was an ex-Marine, a football coach, and he was a mean son of a gun. So I understood he could get his way, and the way he got his way, brute force. And so 
God is showing us through this story, not just for me, but for all of us, and especially when we're dealing with family. When we're dealing with our friends. When we're dealing with people at work. When we're dealing with fellow church members. Anyone, really, for that matter. We have to learn more than just brute force. My way or the highway! <laughs> Look, we all deal with stressful situations. Unrighteous situations. But God is showing us through Pinhas, instead of just blowing a gasket, we need to cultivate some poise, some composure, get our emotions under control. And here's the deal. If we're constantly screaming and yelling to get our way, Oh, help me now. If our main emotion is anger, if we're always flying off the handle and losing uh, uh, control of our emotions, God is saying, look, that's a flaw in your character. It tells me that it's broken and you can never have a complete peace in your life if this is your main way of dealing with things. And so part of Christianity is going to work on yourself. Scripture showing us that Pinhas had a flaw in his character. And there'll be flaws in our relationships if we don't get this thing under control. Well, uh, uh, I, I, I'm an Irishman and, and I have Irish anger. <laughs> I was born with Irish anger. Well, this is why Jesus said you must be born again. Because he's taking you out of the human nature into the divine nature. Right? James, Jesus' half-brother, the first pastor of the New Covenant Church, wrote in James 1.20, Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger. Proverbs 29.11, the book of wisdom, King Solomon, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. We work it a different way than just flying off the handle and being crazy. And isn't that part of the Christian journey? Not every church will tell you, well, you just be satisfied with the way you are, the way you were born, the way you are. Just That's all you can expect out of life. Hold on until Jesus comes. Just try to stay out of jail. Try not to get hurt. You're on your own. No, God is with you. And he's cultivating and perfecting things in our life. Amen? But he, he would like a little help. <laughs> If it was all up to God, he could just do bam. <laughs> but he's looking for a partner in faith. A partner who will embrace and absorb uh, the qualities of the divine nature. And that's where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in, right? 
You have the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. You have the word of the living God working in you. And all of those negative traits can be corrected with the power of the Holy Spirit and by applying the word of God, all that negativity can be corrected. It's not just good enough, well, this is just the way I am. No, look, something's broken. Needs to be fixed. I wish it would happen by five tonight. <laughs> Maybe by some miraculous situation it will. I mean, you can have an epiphany and one word from God can change the course of your life just like that. But normally it takes a while to plant the seed, go through the growing process, and finally harvest some fruit of righteousness. But it begins by taking responsibility for your actions and working on developing more poise, more peace, more grace, more mercy. Amen? That's the pathway to being a better Christian, a better person, a better leader. And look, uh, I understand that the grace message sometimes gets confused. There's nothing I have to do. But what about a scripture like Hebrews 6.1 that says, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity. Go on. Advance. Progress into being a more mature adult. Amen? 1 Corinthians 14.20 says, brothers and sisters... Don't think like children anymore. In evil things, be like babes. But in your thinking, you should be like full-grown adults. It's a call to a higher place, a higher way of living. Amen? And this is, look, this is why your commitment to church, to Torah study, to your prayer life, to studying at home, to reading your positive confessions, to learning about Bible principles and values. That's why all this is so vital. And, and look, normally you're not seen doing all of this. You've been working behind the scenes. You know what? Many of you have been at this for 20, 30 years or more. And you have been so faithful to stay at it. You've never quit. You've never backed down. You just, as Eddie Kendricks said, you just keep on trucking. Amen? And here's the deal. Even though we don't see that, God sees that. And very soon, your faithfulness is going to lead to another miracle breakthrough. You cannot go on being faithful to the Lord and uh, without the Lord being a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So don't give up. Don't quit. Don't slow down, bend down, or bow down. Amen. Amen. And, and so praise God. God sees you getting up early, praying, getting to church. He sees all the kindness that you're doing. 
We don't see those texts you're sending, those hospital visits, those encouraging things that you're sharing with your family and friends to build them up and keep them positive and encouraged. God sees your anointing and how you're using it to be a blessing to others. And because of that, it's reward time. Amen. It's reward time. So don't get weary. Be encouraged. Your best is yet to come. Turn and tell somebody, your best is yet to come. Amen. Amen. Psalm 138, verse 8, beautiful scripture that says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. You are a work of God's hands. And He is working in you to perfect in you all of that divine nature we've been referencing. Amen? Amen. The complete Jewish Bible says, The Lord will fulfill His purpose in me. You have a purpose a calling, a destiny, and it will come in greater measure, it will manifest in greater ways as you're faithful to develop the leadership qualities that God lays out in His Word. Philippians 2.13 says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. My gosh, we serve a wonderful God. Amen. The Amplified says, it is not your strength, but it is. It's God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose. And it's for His good pleasure so God is always working sometimes behind the scenes he's working on all the positive things and then whatever flaws are in our personality he's working to help us correct those things too and the beauty of it is wrapped up like in this old business equation that says preparation plus opportunity equals success. Who has the preparation part? You and I. Prepare yourself, prepare yourself, equip yourself, train yourself, study to show yourself approved, keep being faithful to the calling of God on your life. That's the preparation, and then God will bring the opportunities. When when will my opportunity come? When you're ready. When will my opportunity manifest? When you're ready. And boy, what a good feeling it is to experience that success in life. But it's based on our willingness to stay the course. Prepare yourself. 
Equip yourself. And as you do, God will bring us some amazing opportunities. Who's ready for an amazing opportunity? It may come this week. It may come quicker than you think. Just that simple commitment would open a door of opportunity and you'll be ready to walk through it. Now let me close in these last uh, couple minutes. Uh, I want to give you 10 leadership qualities that all of us should be incorporating into the Christian lifestyle. Number one, constantly seek the Lord for wisdom, guidance, and counsel. Lord, counsel me about this matter. Counsel me and teach me and guide me on how to handle this, that, or the other thing. Number two, remember integrity matters. Integrity matters. Your good name is better than all the riches in the world. Amen. Number three, lead by example. Amen. Practice what you preach and preach what you practice. Amen. Number four, be truthful and honest. Oh, you mean I have to do that as a Christian? Yeah, be truthful and honest. Christians don't manipulate. Christians don't lie and cheat and steal. That's not Christianity. That's sin. Number five, display some humility. We're not ego-centered. We're Christ-centered. We're not filled with arrogance and pride and selfishness, right? So have a little humility, or else God will make you eat some humble pie. <laughs> Number six, respect the interests and ideas of others, not just your own. Amen. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Number seven, develop an attitude of gratitude. And I have to work on the empathy part of this. Empathizing the, uh, with the people that uh, God brings to new beginnings. I need to empathize. Not just sympathize, but empathize. Amen. Number eight, cultivate a positive attitude, PMA, positive mental attitude. We need to cultivate that, a faith-filled attitude. I'm not under the bond, bondage of this world. I'm under the laws of God, I, and God will help me. And so I have great expectations. Amen. Amen. Number nine, be proactive. Take responsibility for your life instead of blaming others. Be proactive on that. And number 10, stir up some inner drive, some inner motivation that, that uh, inspires you to continue reading and studying and learning and growing and maturing. And then all that preparation, all that work on this type of stuff is going to lead to open doors of opportunity and with that opportunity, you'll seize the moment. You'll take the initiative. And suddenly you'll find a new level of success in life. If you agree with that and want more of that in your life, say amen and give the Lord 
a praise. God bless you this morning.